Welcome to the Hope Story Podcast, where we share resources, encouragement, and hope for families of children with Down syndrome. Here's your host, husband, dad, and founder of Hope Story, Rick Smith. Welcome to the Hope Story Podcast. This is Rick Smith, and today I'm excited to have a new friend on the podcast all the way from Peru, Michael Russell. Michael, welcome to the Hope Story Podcast. Thank you very much, Rick. I'm real excited to talk to you about your son, Brian, who, as far as I know, is the first person with Down syndrome in the world to run for public office. This is a really great story. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about your son's birth story, what it was like when you found out that Brian had Down syndrome and what that experience was like where he was born? Well, when Brian was born, my wife and I between us have five children, and so he was the last. And when he came out, he didn't cry. It was the only time I, and I thought that was strange. And while my wife was in the recuperation part of the hospital, a doctor came up to me and said, "We think your baby has Down syndrome," which immediately woke up my wife. And I said, "Why is that, doc?" And he said, "Well, he's got small feet." I said, "Like mine?" He said, "Yes," and his. Uh, index finger and his left fingers are curved. I said, just like mine. He said, yes. He's got a high forehead, just like mine. I said, yeah. All Doc, you've done is confirmed he's my kid. No less. <laughs> no more. <laughs> so, but, in fact, two doctors actually started almost come to fisticuffs whether he did have Down syndrome or not. So we got a pediatrician, who, a friend of ours, who checked him out for about an hour and a half, almost two hours, actually, and said, well, his heart's good, his neck's strong, and his tongue strong, but the eyes, you have to have a genetic test. So my wife phoned up to make an appointment with the geneticist, and when I phoned her because I was at work, asked her what happened. She said that the geneticist had told her that she would read his hand, and that would tell her 95% if he had Down syndrome or not. I thought she phoned up a gypsy fortune teller. Uh, but apparently the line of life in Down, Down, Down syndrome is um, it broken in most cases. Well, we had the test, and then it came to get the results two weeks later, and it was confirmed that Brian had Down syndrome. Of course, my wife, she was very worried because she said, like, you know, Peru is a poor country. We don't even look after people who don't have any disabilities, never mind a person with Down syndrome. But I was fortunate because my mother did a lot of volunteer work all her life for different organizations that dealt with people with special needs, especially special needs mentally. And I went to one of the first schools that had special people in it, uh, you know, people with special mental needs. And so uh, for me, I'd always say it was normal to have people, special people around me or doing activities with them. So the geneticist, obviously being a mother, my wife had a million questions. And she started off, will he be able to go to school? No, you'll have to go to a special school. He'll never have an IQ over 80. Will he be able to do this? Will he be able to do that? No, no, no. I got very, very angry, but I held my uh, anger. But I said uh, to my wife, Gladys is her name, we're leaving. And I walked out and she followed me. So why'd you leave? And I said, well, look, this lady is not going to help you. She's just going to give you all the downside. Now, We'll just concentrate on what Brian can do and hope he doesn't miss what he can't. And that's always been our base. Now, I must say, uh, and my wife is a, a teacher by profession, and so when Brian, I think, I can't remember if he's two, two and a half, she was out with the letters A, B, C. Early stimulation makes a big, big difference. It makes a big difference. Anyways, 
we were determined that Brian would go to a, quote, normal, quote, school and not a special school. And that was our first battle. First was getting him into kindergarten. We did. And luckily, we found the, uh, the one, we found the kindergarten about two and a half blocks from our house. So, uh, and the lady there was fabulous. And we've become close friends since. And Brian entered there. <laughs> I'm laughing because he had this mania of pulling girls' hair, but only blonde girls. And I had a friend from, uh, an American friend of me, said, Mike, from Wisconsin. And he said, Mike, I, I was thrown out of kindergarten for doing the same thing. They, at least your kids goes and <coughs> looks after, looks, just looking for the beautiful ones. Anyways, um, to make on, Nick's struggle was to get Brian into a school. Uh, we tried to get him into various schools, but finally we found out through an organization called Kelpa. They had a special program with the Peruvian Air Force, School for Peruvian Air Force Officers, and it was... Um, Quiones, it's called Quiones, named after a war hero, the Ecuador-Peruvian War, Quiones. And um, Brian started there in the first grade and went to the 12th grade. Now, one big success of that school, of this program, is that they had four people for 10 people that were, um, they called the Unidad de Apoyo, that means the help unit. And for example, they would go in at the beginning of the year and explain to the kids, uh, the children, other children, you're going to have this classmate, et cetera. And also, every day they would write to, in the journal, Brian's journal, what he had to do. And the second thing is, we were fortunate enough to have a tutor for him all through his education, including university, when he went there. And then, um, lo and behold, when he finished Keonis, uh, he was the first person in Peru to start in grade one and finish the grade 12. He wrote an entrance exam for the University of San Ignacio de Leola here in, in Lima, and uh, he got in. First, he was going to study tourism like I studied, but then he decided he would prefer communication, and that's what he did. After that, he's been to various conferences in the United Nations, uh, in Brazil, and then a, an organization in Colombia called Fundación Progresa, the Progress Foundation, which stands to help people with special needs be included in societies, particularly education. They hired Brian, and he worked in Colombia for a year and a half. Uh, we, we weren't there by, um, by himself, going around giving conferences and explaining to different education authorities and that about how inclusion should work. He came back here, uh, and um, he first ran to be on the municipality of Miraflores. He was invited by a friend who ran for mayor, Unfortunately, his friend, uh, our friend didn't win the mayorship, so you don't get councilman unless you win the mayorship. However, that whet his appetite for politics, and although he's always been interested, like me, in politics. Last year, in October, the, the president like, couldn't get any legislation through the Congress. So he, he asked for a special Congress, a special election on the 26th of January this year. And in December... Uh, beginning of December, Brian was asked by a party called Peru Nacion to run for them. So we had a campaign, and I, mu I must say uh, we had a great, great deal of help from two sources, one from local friends here and from uh, also the foundation that Brian worked for in Colombia. The president, he, he sent a, a specialist in communication down here, and two specialists that were uh, very experienced in political 
campaigns. One had, uh, had um, been the top advisor to about four successful presidents in various countries in Latin America. And uh, as I said, uh, our, our local friends here. And uh, Brian went out, and we had uh, one of our, one chap donated 3,000 T-shirts. Uh, I get your address, and maybe I can get one up to you. I have a friend that lives in Houston, so he Thank comes you. down here once in a while. And that's the, the campaign went. It was uh, he was being interviewed by local press, and that then Associated Press ran a story on him, and boom! All of a sudden, all over the world, he was in the New York Times, the London Times, the Guardian, the Washington Post, and I don't know how many. If you put his name Brian Russell Mojica in Google, you'll probably get about 15 pages on him and different aspects of his life, and particularly about this story. It was a hard slog. Brian, every day, was doing one or two interviews on, on the media as well as campaigning. You know, sometimes he'd be tired and we'd ask him, especially Gladys, my wife, and say, are you sure we can cancel? No, no, that's my responsibility. And he would go off and get interviewed, etc. I mean, the thing is, we always wanted Brian to try and be as independent as possible. And it's a big, you know, when he leaves the... When he leaves the house, you're always worried, etc. But you have to remember, you know, that's part of being included. You have to, you know, the same language you have. Obviously, you have extra little worries because of his of his condition. But you have to get over that and try and help help your child become as independent as possible, and to be included as much as possible. And that's what uh, we've always tried to do. And of course, we were very for halfway through the program. I must admit, one big thing happened: a new administrator for the Air Force uh, education came in, and he wanted to cancel the program. He was advised by his advisor to cancel the program. Well, we were on television, and there the, the parents with attention on the newspaper, etc. And the minister of education, the vice minister of education, told the Air Force it was illegal. He, and he introduced it, the legislation about inclusive in education. To be fair, after that, the Air Force took it. Some parents thought that the military would be resentive, and I said, no. I was, I'm was i an ex-military man. I said, no, when the military decide to do something, they do it. They don't They don't muck around, you know. They just go for it, gung-ho, as you say. And they did, you know, and they, were, they became very proud to be an inclusive institute. Um, yeah, that's his story, and as I said, you, you know, there's still a long way to go sometimes, but it's getting it's getting easier uh, to work. Brian will no. Now the result of the election was Brian would have been a congress. He got enough votes to get into the Congress. The problem is the party that he ran for didn't get five percent of the total votes, so they don't get a seat in Congress. But he, in fact, there's an article in Spanish of very about eight different Congress people that shouldn't have been in because they got enough votes, but their party didn't get the votes that they needed. But there's an election next year. This is a, an interim Congress until April next year. There'll be elections to take over in July next year. And Brian's going to run again. That is amazing. Thank you for sharing that story. That is such an encouraging story. We're so proud of Brian. You know, you must be very proud being his dad. So thank you for sharing that. I'm excited about next year's election and seeing how that goes. So hopefully next year, maybe he wins the whole thing. Yeah. Um, he's, he, he is probably, he's been asked by a couple of parties to join them. I'd like to tell you a few instances in, in, in the thing that are interesting. One TV station, one on its morning program, which is well watched by all over Peru, got, uh, you have to be 25 minimum to be a, a candidate for the Congress. They got, um, 
they got uh, young candidates under 30, 30 or uh, under 30, about for seven political parties. And unfortunately, the party that we were with couldn't attend, but Gladys and I attended with Brian. Some parties had a lot of supporters, some didn't. Now, they would ask uh, one candidate from one party a question, and then she, she or he would answer it, and all their support would, yay, yay, yay. But when Brian answered his question, everybody went, yay, yay, yay. And every candidate wanted their picture with Brian. Every candidate wanted their picture with Brian. Although he was from the opposite party, you know. Uh, you see, here's the secret of Brian, which politicians could learn. Brian speaks from the heart. He doesn't speak from the head. He doesn't manipulate. He'll tell you what he thinks. Maybe right, maybe wrong, maybe embarrassing, maybe not. But you're going to get from Brian what he thinks and what he feels. And that's important. The other thing important about Brian, there's no class. To him, every person is of equal value. And I can give you two stories to illustrate this. Uh, one time, I, we were having a pizza, and uh, Brian said I have to go to the washroom. I waited. After about seven minutes, I got a little worried. I went to the He wasn't there. Where was he? He was outside talking to the, the to the watchman, the guard, the guard, and he knew that man's name. He knew how many kids he had. He knew his favorite football team. Another time, I've taken to a bar mitzvah. And another time, to a diplomatic function. The same thing. He knew every bartender, every waiter, their names, their children's names, etc. And when he leaves, they all say bye bye, Brian, and, and everybody looks. You know, that's why he's a natural politician. But he's natural because he speaks from the heart. He has a definite program. He wants to um, include. Uh, I mean, I give you an example. We went. Uh, we went to a special school in a very poor area, uh, where people. Well, these were severe people with severe cases uh, of disability, and it was a Christmas celebration. And we discovered that some of those people, minimum, spend an hour and a half a day getting to the school. Some spend three hours there and back to school, and over half of them cannot afford. Um, therapy that their children need. So sometimes they only go for half a month or even the whole month for one meal a day to parents to pay for therapy. Well, we think therapy like that should be free for everybody. They should, the state should assume that responsibility. That's one thing on our program and Brian's program. Uh, but that's, that's just to give you an idea. At Hope Story, we believe one of the greatest gifts for new parents of a child with Down syndrome is a friend who also has a child with Down syndrome and is a little farther along in their parenting journey. That's why we're working to connect OBGYNs with families raising a child with Down syndrome so they can connect their patients with parents who can offer friendship, encouragement, and hope. We call this the Hope Advocate Process. To learn more and to sign up to become a Hope Advocate, simply visit hopestory.org forward slash Hope Advocate. And now back to our show. Let me ask you this, a couple of parenting questions or a couple of questions about your story. You know, having a 27-year-old with Down syndrome and not just a 27-year-old, but a 27-year-old who also lives in Peru what does a typical day look like for Brian? What's a day look like for him when he wakes up in the morning until he goes to sleep at night? Well, it, it depends. I mean, he, he works sometimes for the Down Syndrome Society, sometimes he works for our, with our church, and uh, it depends what his day. No day is the same, and, and, and he also has evacuation lessons. Um, it, no day is the same. The NGO, non-government organization in, in Colombia, now has put a, a branch here. My wife is the president. It's just getting started, and Brian's going to be on the, is on the board of directors as she is as well. 
So, uh, well, she's the president, and so is the, the president of the of the, uh, the main office in Colombia. And when when that gets up and running, Brian will be working there full time as well. In between time, right now he's studying and preparing for his um, campaign. And like yesterday, he was at a conference in Callao. Callao support, by the way, for for uh, Peru, it's right beside Lima. And quite often, and he's going to do another conference at the university where he used to attend. That's just by coincidence. The organization there is doing it there, in, in conjunction with the university. So. Um, he, his daily routine is depends on what he has to do that day or that week, and it can be anything from if, if he has to, going to be late, we will let him sleep in. If it's going to be early, he has to get up early. So um, there isn't right now, especially for this uh, year of the election, there isn't going to be a stuck uh, campaign because that's why a daily schedule. But when the campaign gets in full force, and we're, the 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 campaign committee, and we have very little parts of subcommittees in it, meet at least once a week. I went to prepare for that. For example, yesterday, one very, very kind person, very knowledgeable, very experienced in political campaigns, came here and he helped Brian draw up uh, how he should approach different things, what he should do, what he shouldn't do, etc. So this is a, a strange year for Brian. Uh, I mean, when he was working in Colombia, it was it was a lot different because it, you know every day he'd have to get up, go to the office, or or he would be going to go to uh, different parts of Colombia, different towns and cities where he would give the conference and that. So as I said, this year is a bit of a, um, a strange one, as it is as it is in your, in your country with the with the uh, election coming in November, you know. So. To, to say that that's basically what he's doing now, and, and as well as his elocution lessons, so he, he can speak better. Well, it sounds like he has a very, very busy schedule. That's fantastic. What has been some of the best parts about raising a child with Down syndrome? The accomplishments. Every time he accomplishes something, it's really, it's really, uh, it puts you on a high, you know, because you have to remember. A lot of work goes into for through a lot of people, not a lot from my wife, some some from myself, or maybe a teacher, or maybe a tutor, etc. Yeah, I mean we all like to see our children's accomplishments, but, but when you see a person with Down syndrome accomplish, know what they've had to overcome. You know, sometimes he was bullied at school. Sometimes when he didn't accomplish what he wanted to accomplish, for example. When he didn't get into the Congress, he was very disappointed. But we had to point out, but well, you had you did win. The problem is the system, the party lost, but not you. You had enough votes to get in, and the system was what let you down. Um, so I said, uh, not not you. You should be in because you've got enough votes to get in. So uh, you, did, you didn't lose. You won. The party lost. But then there again, I said that was the, the only party at first that uh, asked you to run for them. So you, we, you know, and it was an experience. We've got a lot of, we've made a lot of friends. You're getting a lot more support. You get a lot more support next time. So, yeah, you know, when they accomplish something, etc., you know, always see we're very protective, especially my wife, extremely protective, you know, uh, in a way. But then we have to remind ourselves. I give you an example. Um, the BBC used to have a program. Does he take sugar? And I wonder what, what that's a strange name. Like. But this is what happens sometimes. Like when Brian opened up a bank account, the lady that was processing it started asking me questions. I said, I'm not opening the account. He is. 
ask him, not me. Or people, I mean, once in a while, like, when I have a beer or something, people say, is he allowed to have beer? Well, he's 21. I mean, he said, well, they, they raised the age <laughs> to 27 or something. <laughs> you know, that, that's one thing, too, you have to overcome. People to realize that he is an individual and that, you know, uh, you should ask them and treat them as equal, you know, uh, and not uh, ask the person, the parent or the person with them, etc. can he do this, can he do that, etc. I certainly can understand what you're saying when you go somewhere and, you know, people are directing questions to you that should be directed to your son with Down syndrome. And I like what you said. It's like, hey, I'm not, I'm not the one opening up a bank account. Ask him. He's able to answer all your questions. And I think there's going to be a lot of parents encouraged to hear you say, hey, you have a son with Down syndrome that also has a bank account. And doing those sorts of things, I think that's really encouraging. So thanks for sharing that. I, I think that's very important that you try and uh, treat, get them, make sure that people treat them as an individual. And you, and the parents, are, as parents, you have to do that yourself as well. Because, I mean, you know, obviously, um, you, you, because you, you feel that person maybe is weaker or something, you're extra cautious and extra, but you can be overprotective. And that does not, that is not good for the for development of any person to be overprotected. Yes, that's so true. So let me ask you this. What are some of the dreams that you have for Brian? I mean, the thing is, I want him to be able to uh, be independent enough. That uh, I mean, the biggest worry of any parents, uh, uh, what happens when we're not here? That's the, the biggest worry. So my dream is that everything is prepared, that he can continue with his life, continue developing and live a full life. That's that. That would be my uh, our dream. I'm not only mine. I know that's been my wife's dream. So that when we're not here, that Brian still can continue and have a full life. That's good. All right. So this is the last question, and the question is this: What would you tell a parent whose child has just been diagnosed with Down syndrome? A new parent. Uh, first off, it is not a tragedy. It's a blessing. That's the first thing. Secondly, uh, you're going to have a bit of a challenge, but it can be a very, very, very fulfilling challenge. A very, very fulfilling challenge. The third thing, these people are very, very passionate. These people, uh, they use the word carinoso in Spanish, you know, very caring, very loving, very, very loving. And you can get as much, you can get probably not not only as much, but even more joy uh, uh, raising them than, than raising children that don't have any disability. That's what I would tell them. And secondly, don't listen to any ignorance. Uh, read, there's a lot of information. You, you're, you're doing a great job with your uh, informing people that this is not a tragedy, but a blessing. So that's, that, that is the most important thing that you can take. And, and, and look at it that way and, and, and then start preparing Early stimulation, early stimulation is is a key for helping people with disabilities to develop. Early stimulation is is one one key too. You know that is really good. Thank you so much for sharing that, and thank you for sharing the story of Brian. You know, I'm so proud of him. I'm proud that he ran for public office, and I'm proud that he's going to continue to run for public office. That he's going to run again. And I'm excited to see what happens. I hope he gets into public office this go-round. And thank you for sharing about your experience in Peru. Thank you for being on the Hope Story podcast. Well, yeah, I, I would just say finish. Um, 
Uh, we have a dog called Amor, which of course is Spanish and Latin for love. And uh, this dog uh, was abandoned, and um, two university students found him, got him up, but their mother wouldn't let him keep them. Brian was walking down one of the main areas of Miraflores where we live, and they said, would you like a dog? And he came home, and he wasn't sure uh, if we would accept it. And while his my, my wife was uh, visiting her sister in, in the States, and I said, yeah, all right, bring him in. So we, I decided that we'd keep him. And, and I said, Brian, what do you call this dog? He said, I'm going to call him more. I said, why? Well, obviously, if he was abandoned, he didn't have love. But we call him no more, he'll always have love. That's good. <laughs> Rick, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, it's been so great to talk to you. Thank you, everyone, who tuned in to the Hope Story podcast. As always, if you like what you heard, please give us a rating and a review on iTunes, and we will see you soon on another episode of the Hope Story podcast. Thank you for listening to the Hope Story podcast. On our website at hopestory.org, you can find this episode's show notes, subscribe to our email list, and learn about how Hope Story is working to connect every OBGYN in America to a family raising a child with Down syndrome through our Hope Advocate process. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to our podcast. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Hope Story podcast.